morning and out to school The teacher is teaching the golden rule American history and practical man You study them hard and hoping to pass Working your fingers right down to the bone Hello to the tribe of love listening to today's broadcast of Talk Out of School. Bienvenidos mi familia. Welcome family WBA listeners. My name is Daniel Alicea. My pronouns are he, him, and his. And I'm the proud son of Manny and Alma. I welcome you today to another episode of Talk Out of School. I'm coming to you live at WBAI. We are listener-sponsored, locally-controlled, non-commercial Pacifica Radio in New York City. We're on 99.5 FM on your radio dial. You can also, and we are also, being live-streamed via WBAI.org. At Talk Out of School, we focus on the issues affecting public schools and public education here in New York City on the state level and nationally. And if you'd like to cap- catch this show on a at a later time, Catch the podcast on the WBAI archives, or you can search for this show on Apple or Spotify. We have another special show lined up for you. Today, we have interviews with some of the newly elected high school executive board members of the United Federation of Teachers, elections that took place this uh, month, and the ballots were counted just this week. We have Ronnie Almonte, Alex Jallo, Alona Nane, Lydia Haurica, Ibeth Mejia, Edward Calamia, and Nick Bacon. They are seven of the United for Change Coalition candidates that were elected this week in a consequential UFT citywide election that saw Michael Mogru win his fifth term as UFT president, but by the slimmest margin to date. His Unity Caucus did keep a lion's share of the executive seats as well and the convention delegate seats as well. Um, They won about 65% of the overall vote, while opposition garnered 35% of the vote. However, we do have with us today also Jonathan Hollaby. He is the longest-serving high school chapter leader. He is renowned for his ability to to break down the data and uh, his expertise within UFT politics is is well known. And so we'll start off with Jonathan. Hi, I'm here with Jonathan Hollaby, and he was a candidate for United Federation of Teachers High School Vice President. But more importantly, he is the longest serving chapter leader in New York City. He is an independent, although he has been a leader within some of the caucuses uh, within the United Federation of Teachers. He is also a math high school teacher at the High School of American Studies at Lehman College in the Bronx. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you, Daniel. Um, And before we go ahead, I'm the longest serving high school chapter leader. I think there's some other people out there in elementary school and middle school who've been doing it as long as me and maybe longer. So, Jonathan, a lot of our listeners are DOE um, 
educators and are familiar with the United Federation of Teachers. But uh, with the election that culminated this week, uh, citywide elections, the 22, uh, 2022 elections finished up this week and ballots were counted. There are some listeners or many listeners that are not familiar with the inner workings of UFT politics, except for what maybe they read in the news or social media. Could you help some of our listeners understand the nature of UFT elections that happen every three years and how have they panned out historically? Mm -hmm. In the United Federation of Teachers, teachers and other staff in each school elect a chapter leader. And those are real elections where there's personalities and um, performance and who's in favor of what at stake. Citywide, though, the United Federation of Teachers was founded over 60 years ago. And the group that founded the union created a political party within the union, took control of the union. They had it from the beginning and have done everything possible to maintain that control for the last 60 years. So for them, it's called Unity Caucus. Every three years, they reaffirm that they continue control of the of the union. Um, they need the democratic measure of the of the election because that's, they're supposed to have an election, but everything that happens is supposed to end up with them controlling the results. Um, but that would make you think that there's only one set of ideas within the union and one set of ideas about how a union should operate, and that's not the case. Through the years, there have been various oppositions, um, sometimes on specific policies, going back to opposition to the war in Vietnam, sometimes... It's about how teachers are treated or what, what the union's priorities are. And the last 20 years of, of Bloomberg and Klein and then the legacy from them, the school reform movement, has driven quite a few people into a position where they want the union to do things differently. Um, and so every three years, we see if there's a group that can come up and challenge Unity Caucus, not for power in the whole union. They have a a stranglehold through a patronage system and a loyalty system, but maybe in some divisions to run against them and, and win. And well, we can talk about that some more. That's sort of what happened this time. A large opposition came together and was able to win a significant number of votes without winning the overall election, but was able to win the high school division and came very close in the middle school division. So what were some significant takeaways? What was so different about, or consequential about this this latest election in 2022. If you could give us a little bit more insight as to what, what makes it consequential and uh, some takeaways. Okay, well, one thing that can happen or not happen is whether there's a lot of small fragmented groups running against Unity Caucus or whether there's one. And this time there is one, but that's not that's within the union. Um, in the world, the pandemic happened. And members were largely unhappy with how things turned out during the pandemic. And many of them blamed the union leadership for not advocating for our members strongly enough, for not shutting schools quickly enough, for not um, taking measures to protect us better. There's a range of opinions on that, but I agree. The, this leadership did not do enough. That created some energy, some anger. Um, so that made the difference. This election was seen through the lens of the pandemic. But also, in the last year, a year ago, we learned that Unity Caucus 
and their representatives through the Municipal Labor Coalition. We're working to move our retirees from traditional Medicare, or Medicare age retirees once they turn 65, to, from traditional Medicare with a New York City program to pay the last 20% um, to a Medicare Advantage plan. And retirees were rightfully upset. This looked like a privatization scheme that would end up giving them less service. Unity argued, no, you're going to get the same thing. And most people didn't agree that, agree with them. So we have two big events. We have Medicare and we have the pandemic. Um, and they conceivably could have motivated voters. You, you asked me a two-part question. Can you remind me of the second part? Well, I guess more closer to the results this week. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what happened the election did take place over a month. Mail-in ballots were sent out to UFT members. Um, can you tell us a little bit about more immediate, the more immediate effects of uh, the election? Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure that I understood your question. So if I answer the wrong question, forgive me, but um, so I, I was just talking about the pandemic and Medicare on the Medicare side we saw a significant jump in the number of retirees who voted. Um, the most retirees who ever voted, voted in this election. 2022, there were more retirees who voted than in any previous election. And it's by, by a lot. I think the most ever was 24,000. This time it was 27, pushing uh, 27,500. That's a big jump. Thousands more people, and the people who voted mostly voted um, voted against unity, voted for this big coalition, which I haven't named yet. Daniel, both both you and I were part of United for Change, and I should I should mention that that's our coalition. So we saw an impact in the election from that. In the other divisions, we didn't see so much. Um, United for Change scored about the same number of votes as a large coalition. Six years previous had Unity's votes were down some, so their, their votes were damped. But we didn't see that as, as big an effect. It had some effect. Unity's votes were definitely down. And so relative to Unity, we did better. Um, but we didn't see that jump in voters, except among retirees, really highly motivated by this threat to privatize their, their health care and what, what, um, what changes to services or limitations on services that that might entail. Ultimately... Overall count, unofficial count, there are still some outstanding ballots, but nothing that's really going to change the result. Um, Tuesday and Wednesday ballots were counted. About 66 to 65 percent voted for Unity Caucus and did vote in Michael Mogru as president. And most of the seats for that Unity has held were were reelected or preserved for, for Unity Caucus. Can you tell us a little bit about what – What's different about um, some of the numbers that came in? How how are they also consequential as far as opposition for the most part isn't very successful over the years um, in in bringing in votes? Are there any numbers especially that you you walk away with that may show a shift, a change, or possibly not a change? Okay, um, so I want to talk about three elections. I'm not going to expand on them, but three elections. 2016, 
there was a uh, two caucuses. More and New Action came together and ran a very good campaign and won a lot of seats. 2019 was splintered and the vote went down, but also the number of people who voted went down because it was a less interesting election. And 2022, which is the United for Change election, I think that's the way we should see it. 2022 was the United for Change election. And 2022, United for Change won similar numbers to what more new action won in 2016, except for the retirees where it went up. Um, Unity, though, their vote went down in 2019, just like opposition votes, but their vote in 2022 did not recover the same sort of way. They were unable to motivate all of their people to come back to vote. And I think that's the, that's the biggest takeaway. Um, They just were not able to recover some of their members or some of their former supporters may have been just too turned off by their performance during the pandemic. On the numbers side, we can see that among retirees, United for Change won almost 30%, 29%. No opposition has come close to that. I think 15% is pretty normal. In elementary schools, United for Change won 32%. 32% sounds like Sounds like we won a lot of votes. Um, we didn't really do better than the opposition did six years ago, but unity did far worse. So that brought us to 32%. Usually 20% would be pretty good. Um, middle schools, Daniel, you know this. We, we lost by 260 votes. We didn't do that by getting lots more votes than we had in the past, although we got some more votes. We got this because Unity Caucus is no longer to, able to motivate its people to get out as many. So we saw percentage over 40% in the middle schools. For us, that's a very high number. We generally get in the 30s. We saw 30% in elementary school. Um, and in the high schools, we got 56%. We've been around there before. Uh, but every division, we were we were better than we were before or as good as. Um, and so that is, that's one of the number, sort of number takeaways. But I think it's the weakness in Unity Caucus that really comes out of this, plus the motivation for retirees to vote for something new. Well, looking at some of those numbers, I, one number I, I think I read on, on one of your blogs or something that you posted, something like if we take those teacher votes, those in-service teacher votes, I think the number is about 42% of New York City teachers that voted in this sample size because turnout was was relatively low. Um, typically, in UFT elections, there's about 25% turnout. I think we were at 26%. But if we take the elementary school divisions and we take the middle school division and the high school division, I think the number you put out there, Jonathan, is about 42% of teachers in those divisions uh, voted for change. <laughs> Absolutely, Daniel. And that's kind of amazing. That's much higher than it's ever been. First of all, that's elementary, middle school, and high school teachers who vote in those divisions. There are teachers in District 75 who don't get counted in that number. They wouldn't change the, the, the balance very much. And so 42% for United for Change and 58% for Unity, we've never had numbers like that. I, maybe we hit 30% before. I'm not sure among among groups, but I, I need to add something there. I need to add something, which is you, you touched on turnout. And the turnout was such that we can say of the people who voted, Unity won 58% and United for Change won 42%. But if we talk about total voters, 
Unity won 11.88%. That's just under 12%. United for Change won 8.63%, 8.65%. That's less than 9%. 79.5%, almost four in five voters didn't vote. Um, I did the math today just for fun to look for a good number. If there were 34 people you met at random who were New York City teachers, four of them would have voted for, for Unity, three of them for United for Change, and 27, a huge majority, would have set out the election. That that sets up the real challenge, both for unity and for us going forward. How can you have a union whose power, whose strength rests on its activated membership when most of the membership is not activated? Yeah, and and I see the energy nationwide around organizing for unions, whether it be Amazon or Starbucks. There seems to be a lot of energy in I'm still not really understanding the dynamic here where here in the city, we're still not seeing that energy seem to convert, especially within our our existing city unions. Follow up question to this, and you've already started to touch on what it might mean for the future. This election could be pivotal. Um, What type of ramifications do you see this having in the largest local, which is the United Federation of Teachers, the largest teaching local in the nation. Are there any ramifications moving forward, um, anything of consequence? And then if we can follow up that up with, how does this really affect our city schools in any way? Okay, well, I, you, 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 said, you said a few things that, that kind of fit together. Um, one of them is you talked about the excitement and the energy that comes out around organizing. We felt a little bit of energy during this election, right? Uh, we worked it. We, we saw some of that. But the kind of energy that occurs around organizing is something that's been absent in the United Federation of Teachers. That, I think, is part of the approach and part of the answer to turning around this lack of investment in the union that many of our members have. We need an organizing approach that goes back into our chapters. Remember at the very beginning, I said there were two kinds of elections. Our elections for chapter leader actually do get our members involved. It's at the local level, starting at the grassroots where some of this needs to get turned around. There's other ramifications. There's voting ramifications, which are really scary. Um, Somebody could come around with an attractive platform and and crazy ideas. And if Unity's winning 12% of the teachers and if we're winning nine and we can bring it up to 10 or 11, somebody could come in and win 25% and sweep, sweep us out. And we have no idea what that is. I think that that's a really scary idea that puts us on the, almost on the defensive. This, we don't organize because it's fun. We organize, we need to organize and we need to organize our, our union for our survival, survival of our caucuses, our survival of our coalition, maybe, and the survival of our union. Um, there's there's real there's real stuff at stake that we see here. And more immediate, there's there's a contract coming up, and you, here you have some type of I wouldn't call it a schism, but uh, it's obviously two ideas, competing ideas as to how a, our union should work. Do you see any ramifications with um, the upcoming contract? And then, moreover, do you see anything as far as this election? We do. Um, we did see seven seats go to United for Change, um, go to the uh, high school division. 
how does this affect the everyday um, person who's involved in the Department of, of Education, a parent, families, um, in any way, does it affect? Okay, you, you squeeze in about, about three questions there, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> let me try to get, get to all of them. For the contract negotiations, I don't know what this means. Um, we have, there are people from all points of view or many points of view on the negotiating committee. The negotiating committee negotiates in secret. There is a poll that was just released, um, a, a member survey that was just released. I, I wish that we did it ourselves and have, didn't have an outside contractor doing it. And if you got it and the, the link didn't work, they did send that out again with a corrected link. Um, there's ways to give input. I think it's a challenge to those of us who see the challenge in the union to Get, our, get the people in our chapters invested in discussing what's going on. I think that's a big place that we can make, make a difference. And there's going to be some sharp disagreements over what negotiating uh, priorities should be. I'm not going to be in that room and at that table, so I don't know exactly how to handle it. And it's really hard since the people on the committee had to sign a pledge not to uh, discuss what they're talking about. But I, I think we need to find a way around that and get members involved. Member involvement is what we saw was missing in the election. Um, it's what threatens the even the existence of the union potential. We need to do something about that. You also asked about the immediate effect of this election on people in the schools. And I wish I could say that it, this was like really important, but it's not. One of the reasons that people didn't bother voting is what does it matter? There is no, there's no immediate sense of that. Um, and that's, a, that's, that's also a problem. We get through that, I think, through organizing and organizing the chapters and doing better in elections and, and all of those things put together. But the organizing of the chapter letter, I think, is, level is, I think, is central. And there was a third and final question, Daniel. Yeah, more, more school communities outside of edu, um, educators, but your everyday New Yorker who has a child in city schools, um, some of the priorities and issues that came up in this election, things like mayoral control, class size, how does this kind of all link together? So there was an election, things are pretty much status quo, but there seems to be um, inklings of, of change in this election. How does this affect our, our city schools and some of the issues that are important to um, everyday New Yorkers? Mm. So actually, you asked, you asked me a, a different question before that one, um, and, and, and I'm going to take them in the same order that you asked them, because that's a, that's a great sort of final question. But you, asked, you, you did ask me first, and I, I, I skipped over it, um, about the seven people who were elected to the executive board from United for Change. And I'm sorry to, to have missed that. Being on the executive board, gives those members a chance to raise issues with the leadership, ask questions. Um, it doesn't necessarily change policy. They can introduce resolutions. They can vote yes or no. They can try to amend things. But opening up the discussion is really important. I think one important sign we're going to get very early on is whether the leadership reaches out to the new people on the executive board and says, we want to discuss some things in advance. We want to work on some things together. Because I think we have a common interest in making the union better. They may be so stuck on holding on to power that they just want to shut the new people out. But I, I, I'd like to hope 
that there's a possibility that there will be some outreach. And even if they don't reach out on our side, we will. But for members, it means that if you have a burning question that the leadership won't address, we have seven people who will raise that issue and they have to answer it. Doesn't matter if we like the, you know, we may not like the answer or not. Um, you, so those seven people, they actually, they give us a voice that's really important for New Yorkers and for schools. I wish that the union had more of an impact on what happens in, with education policy in the city. Um, a lot of times the current leadership works with the mayor or other politicians to sort of cut deals behind closed doors. Having, having an extra voice on the committee may make some of that more public, but things like mayoral control, as long as the UFT was going along with what was being decided in Albany and what city hall wanted, New Yorkers generally didn't pay much attention. We know some highly motivated people who do, right? You know, you know, Laney Hameson and, you know, you know, other, other people who take a strong interest, but that's a very small minority of New Yorkers. I think we have a chance to bring these issues forward. This, this is about the schools of New York city, the public schools, which are sort of the backbone for a successful New York city. Right now, today, I don't think it really reaches most New Yorkers. I think we have to find a way to make these issues reach them. Um, and a lot more openness, which is one of the things that we've been pushing for, that we push for in our campaign, and that our members on the executive board will successfully push for, and I, I do believe they'll be successful. Um, maybe we get more people take, taking more of an interest. They should. Um, but saying what somebody should do doesn't mean that that's, that's what's going to happen. Likewise, I am hoping this starts more conversations, energizes folks. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for joining us today on Talk Out of School. Um, thank you for the work that you're doing, your activism, and your leadership. Thank you, Daniel. Hi, I'm here with Nick Bacon. He is the chapter leader at a high school in Washington Heights. Welcome, Nick. Um, congratulations, by the way on being elected to the executive board for the United Federation of Teachers as part of the high school division. Welcome. Thanks, Daniel. Happy to be here. Well, Nick, um, quite an election, consequential election. Um, in some ways, we can say disappointing, but also in some ways, um, momentum changing. And so uh, just a couple of questions for you. How do you view your role as being part of the seven opposition executive board members on um, the United Federation of Teachers Executive Board. How do you view your role and what significance does that have to teachers, educators in general, but also to our city schools? So the executive board um, is sort of this key intermediate um, body between the delegate assembly and, and, and ADCOM. And it's a place where um, union policy, union resolutions um, really are, or rather should be debated, introduced. Um, it, it, it's, it's where um, the discussions that this union should be having formally takes place. And, I've been actually taking minutes for the executive board uh, meetings for the past couple of months. 
not not as a member, just as just as an observer. And one thing one thing you notice because right now, uh, with the exception maybe of Mike Scherzer, um, or there's 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 really no there's really no debate at these things. Um, so what, what you see is this kind of rubber stamp uh, taking place where you know. Uh, Leroy Barr or Michael Mulgrew, you know, kind of goes over what, what needs to be said. And then the meeting's over in 40 minutes with no debate. And what I see the executive board uh, being, what I see my role in, uh, in the executive board, at, along with the other six candidates, is actually turning this into a meeting where things are discussed, where um, the, the issue matter to teachers, not just to high school teachers, by the way, but to all teachers, um, can be introduced, talked about, where if there is a bad policy that's presented, we don't just rubber stamp it. We actually will deliberate and discuss what the issues are. Now, because there's only seven of us, we aren't necessarily going to be able to, to take over the executive board, right? We're, we're still going to be, we're, we're going to be a very small minority in that, in that deliberative body. But we'll be big enough to at least be able to deliberate and make sure that these conversations are happening and, and that the, the city's teachers um, and, and other educational professionals know that those conversations are happening and see um, see, see those discussions. So what, what might be some issues that you envision might be important for those type of discussions for educators, but even a lot of our listeners at Talk Out of School are not teachers or, or educators but any issues that might affect our city schools um, and families in our school communities? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you asked that. There's an article actually that Jonathan Halabi uh, posted a while back about, you know, who's on the executive board, you know, in unity, for instance. And one thing you notice is that a lot of those, um, the people that that they kind of put on the, um, on the ballot are also not teachers themselves. They're kind of, um, they, they primarily do union work, right? So one thing I, I, I see us being able to do uh, at, is actually bring the perspective of, of teachers in New York City. It's, it's, it seems like that should already be happening, and I'm sure it is to some extent because there are some teachers who are on the executive board already. Um, but I think we're going to bring it up in a much more um, honest way. Um, and... Part of that is we're going to talk about the kinds of issues that are difficult for the union to talk about. So some of those issues include uh, class sizes, for instance, which, you know, it's kind of tepidly discussed, but never in a, never, never with much sort of, um, ne- never with any real bite. Um, I think, you know, ch- chapter leaders and chapters and teachers in general who, who are um, in the unfortunate situation of, 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 of being retaliated against or abused, I don't think that I don't think that gets enough discussion um, in in our union. And I think it's it's something that that I think needs to be addressed, n- not just once in a while, but week after week after week. You know, we know what schools this is happening at. Why is nothing happening? That needs to be addressed in a substantial way. And right now, there might be some lip service to it once in a while, but but nothing really seems to be happening. Um, and so I think. Issues like that, um, those are two that are very close to my heart. Um, But really, the entire um, platform 
of that United for Change has, which is really an agreement between the, the various caucuses and, and, and also the independents who are on United for Change. I see us over the next three years finding ways to introduce resolutions that have something to do with that platform um, and also bringing in you know, the perspective uh, of our platform into discussions, debates, um, and so forth. Well, thank you, Nick, for joining us. I'm hoping to interview some of your other um, colleagues now on that executive board, but thank you so much for joining us. I am so glad that you are part of this um, new blood that's coming into the United Federation of Teachers Executive Board, a rock star, and we we, we need your voice on there. We need your voice for um, common sense, and we need your voice for um, just a divergent voice that is willing to challenge uh, the status quo. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. So we're here with Ibeth Mejia. She is the chapter leader at Aviation High School. She is a high school teacher, and she is now one of the newly elected executive board members representing high school division and representing all of our our UFT members. Welcome, Ibeth. Thank you, Daniel. Um, Hi, thank you. Um, First, I just want to start off with thanking all of the UFT members that voted for um, United for Change, and um, I'm happy to be here. So I know that you're also part of um, the Independent Community of Educators, or ICE Caucus, and also Solidarity. Um, What do you envision is your role now as part of the executive board, part of the dissenting voices for our teachers union? Well, what I envision and how I plan on using um, this this platform that I am so honored to be part of is um, is like upholding, making sure that our contract is being enforced. I feel that's a major issue in our union that our contract isn't being enforced. So I will, that, that would be one of the issues that I would be using this platform for. And so what do you think are some other issues that you would like to also bring to the forefront, uh, either for the teachers union or even for our school communities? Sometimes those same issues are interwoven, are our working conditions are also our students' learning conditions. Any other issues you, you would love to be able to use your platform for? Well, since I've been in the system since 1999 as a special educator, I would, I would also be strongly being voice for the special ed teachers and the, and the, and the issues that go within the high school within that population. Yeah, as, as a special education teacher, I know that so much, so many times uh, issues are ignored. Um, yes. Always compliance issues and some other things. I want to thank you, Beth, for joining us. Uh, I, I know it's a short interview, but I, I'm really glad that you're going to be one of the voices on that executive board and so proud of the work that we've all put in and really looking forward to hearing some great things from you and those that were newly elected. You're listening to Talk Out of School on listener-sponsored WBAI 99.5. We're found on the center of your FM dial. I'm Daniel Alisea, a New York City educator, 
and I'm alternating on weekends with my champion co-host, Lainey Hampson. Today, we are interviewing various New York City educators that have won um, seats in the latest United Federation of Teachers uh, election that just culminated this week. Hi, I'm here with Ronnie Almonte and Alex Jello. Both are high school teachers and leaders in their schools and in high schools in Manhattan. Welcome, Alex. Welcome, Ronnie. Congratulations to both of you of being newly elected as executive board members of the United Federation of Teachers, especially as voices of dissent of opposition uh, for the um, United for Co- uh, United for Change Coalition. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us here. So uh, for both of you, I know both of you are also part of the Moore Caucus. And I guess my first question is, how do you envision your role within this uh, newly elected executive board, especially as you represent these uh, seven seats for high schools? Yeah, um, I mean, I I could start off. So the way that I'm envisioning our role, especially as members of – Members of opposition and members of, of uh, dissent um, is to essentially be there to represent the interests interest of the grassroots rank and file members, um, and to ensure that you know we're we're pushing for policies that benefit all of us, and not and uh, ensure that our union is being built up in a way that that supports our students and supports our staff. Yeah, hundred um, percent on that, and I think our role. Um, needs to be pushing uh, the demands of uh, the different movements in public education in New York City that have been crystallizing the past few years, um, a few decades even. Um, I think those issues include um, ones that uh, the Unity Caucus, who was our... uh, opponent in this election have, uh, I think, failed to lead on. Um, And those include uh, reducing class size and caseload, uh, which inevitably would mean the significant hiring uh, of uh, of more educators, uh, social workers, counselors, nurses. Um, It would mean uh, actually fighting uh, for the common good, bargaining for the common good. Uh, the current UFT leadership um, has presided, presided over uh, the tremendous uh, segregation of the New York City public school system. We got to roll that back. Um, and so, you know, I think that that means that on the executive board, we're going to have to um, fight to take a stronger position on integration, um, which is in our interest as educators to to fight for, um, because the same forces that profit off of segregation are the same ones that push anti-union, uh, anti-teacher policies. Um, and lastly, uh, in terms of advocacy, uh, we need to be pushing for uh, <clears throat> abolishing the Taylor law uh, and gaining the right to strike. Um, we're not saying that we're 
planning to go on strike right, right away or anything like that. But we, I think, definitely need this right that the private sector enjoys, um, especially since the threat of a strike um, is what gives power uh, power to to workers. It gives them leverage um, to actually get more. Um, for the past few years, decades, even we've been just giving back. Uh, it's been an era of concessionary bargaining. We need to reverse that and start actually, you know, getting what's ours. Alex, um, Ronnie's hit on many of the issues. Any issues or anything that you wanted to also add to some of the issues that you you hope to bring to the forefront? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, a thousand percent with Ronnie, especially on the, the I think the largest issues that we're going to have to contend with and push the union on is reducing class sizes because that reducing class sizes translates to so many other aspects of education. I mean, it's a segregation issue. It's, it's, it's a class issue, not just physical class, but social class issues. Um, and it's not right that our students have to sit in classrooms of 34, of 34, uh, 30 plus um, and not receive the quality education that they need. Um, so I think it's definitely something that we're going to have to push our union leadership on. Um, you know, and going along with what Ron, Ronnie said, that would include having to hire more educators, um, which means we'd have to have a concerted effort as a union to push the Adams administration to do so. We know that he's going to give anything to us. Um, so we really, you know, going back to kind of like what our role is going to be on this, on this, uh, on the executive board is we got to fight. And we got to make sure that our union turns into a union that is willing to fight for all of us and willing to fight for our students, um, as opposed to like what Ronnie just said, being a concession that, you know, just keep on giving into these concessions every time we get to the negotiation table. Well, thank you, Ronnie. Thank you, Alex, so much. And I'm, I'm so excited and, and really proud of, of, of the work that you are doing and, and really look forward to uh, trusting you guys to, to be leaders in that executive board. Thank you so much. I'm here with Lydia Halrika. She is a leader within the Solidarity Caucus. She is also a high school teacher at Clara Barton. And she also ran against Michael Mogru in the 2019 UFT election. But more importantly, or more currently, she was also elected as a high school um, representative for the executive board in the 2022 UFT elections. Welcome, Lydia. Thank you for having me. So Lydia, as I've asked some of the other executive board, newly elected executive board members, how do you view your your new role as an executive board member, especially representing high schools and representing some of the dissenting voices within our city's teachers union? So I see my role as not repping not just high school teachers, but all UFT members. Um, since we are such a small minority on the executive board, um, but we have to remember at the same time that we got roughly over 40% of classroom teacher vote. Um, so I feel that my role also within solidarity as representing both my caucus, as well as the United for Change Coalition, basically is to mesh well with the reps from other caucuses and other groups and just strengthen the concept of UFC solidarity. Um, I also find my role as to find ways to work with, with leadership when there's common interest for members. Um, I, feel, I feel like, you know, I don't see, you know, folks from other groups as being evil 
and now the rancor of the campaign is over, then there may be now areas of agreement, including um, dealing with abusive administrators, dealing with school discipline, and what have you. And also, I also feel that my role is to reach out to UFT members, not just from my school, but from other schools that I'm in contact with via solidarity to identify issues of concern. And so there are a lot of issues in our future that we, we're going to have to come to grasp with everything from the upcoming contract to just some other issues. What issues especially uh, do, you ho- do you envision bringing to the forefront as an executive board member first for our union? And then if you could address anything that might be school um, related to our school communities, and sometimes both of those things are interwoven. I feel that the idea of um, teacher voice in schools and also teacher voice in our union um, needs to be at the forefront of everything we do as, um, as United for Change um, re- representatives on this executive board. Um, I also feel that discipline in schools needs to be an issue of, of great import. Um, a lot of teachers have come to me privately and they said, you know, we are concerned about what unity is saying and what, and what they're not saying about school discipline. We're seeing issues regarding safety in our schools. Uh, we're seeing kids act, you know, you know, act out as a result of trauma. And but at the same time, while kids are be well, kids may or may not be given wraparound supports, you know, there needs to be some needs of expectations and just repercussions for poor behavior. Um, and I, if, I, if there were a third issue that I would feel that we, that we need to tackle, it's just the lack of respect um, by, you know, by, by our politicians, by union officials, and by the larger community. Thank you so much, Lydia. I'm so glad that we've elected you. I, I respect your voice. Uh, I respect the leadership that you bring. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing some great things coming out of some of our United for Change brethren and our and, and our UFT brethren as well, especially on that executive board. Thank you so much. Thank you. I am here with Edward Calamia. He is a delegate at a District 79 high school in the Bronx. He is also a newly elected executive board member um, representing the high school division of teachers. Welcome, Edward. Congratulations on being elected. Oh, thank you so much. So, Edward, as I've, I've started to ask some of the other others that were elected to the executive board to represent high schools, What is your vision for your role as a newly elected uh, executive board member um, starting your term in in July and for the next three years? Well, um, as part of the United for Change coalition, I ran with a lot of really good people and we put in a lot of hard work to be able to represent the teachers of New York City. And we did win a partial victory but um, we were not able to win the entire, you know, the entire union. And there's one statistic that I want to just draw attention to. You can find it on this blog written by Jonathan Halabi. It's jd2718.org. 
And he does some very good analysis of issues in education and of this election specifically. And he says, out of every 34 voters, four chose unity, three chose united for change, and 27 did not vote. So I view at least part of my role as being, you know, making it more inviting for more of the members of this union to engage in the process and actually vote. And at the same time, to, you know, open the door a bit wider to get the rest of my, um, you know, coalition mates to have an easier time to get elected in three years. And to just work hard to really make this process more accessible to more people and, um, you know, to get more like rank and file teachers in and uh, to transform the union and make it a more effective advocate for rank and file teachers. And so I guess my question also is, do you, how do you see this election and your new role? Um, how do you think that will help some of that rank and file um, moving forward? What's your vision for some of the top issues that you think need to be addressed first for our union uh, and then for our city schools? And sometimes both of those things kind of are interwoven. Well, I think one of the main issues is mayoral control and that there has to be a serious um you know, effort to stand up to the mayor and to make clear that mayoral control has not worked. We don't want a repackaged version of it. We want something different and something better for the city. No more of these like hand-picked panels that make these decisions for everybody. And they call people in to talk, but then the people the mayor picks just votes the way the mayor tells them to. I don't think that kind of system is equitable, and I would like very much to see it ended. Well, thank you, Edward, uh, for joining us today at Talk Out of School. Again, congratulations on being elected, and thank you, and we look forward to hearing some great things. I'm here with Ilona Nane. She is the delegate at her high school in the Bronx. She is also a former chapter leader. And first off, I want to congratulate you, Ilona, on winning a seat on the executive board representing high schools, but moreover, representing uh, some of the opposition voices within the United Federation of Teachers as part of the United for Change Coalition. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, and as I was saying, uh, I... I humbly accept the congratulations, but it really was um, a huge collective effort uh, from all of the opposition caucuses. And uh, I'm just really uh, humbled and, and grateful for this opportunity and, and really hoping that uh, I, I, am, I do it justice. And so what, how do you envision your role as within, within that executive board, within those seven high school seats. What do you, what do you see is your role? So what I hope uh, I can do with my my fellow uh, 
UFC folks uh, on the executive board is really elevate and speak to uh, important issues um, to try and move the leadership um, and to really bring those issues to the forefront. So I'm thinking like uh, issues around mayoral control, um, having the union take a strong stance against mayoral control, um, the tier six uh, reform. Uh, so for members who um, are under tier six, how can we really start to reform that a contract campaign? What does it look like to co- uh, to negotiate for the common good? Uh, and so really bringing those issues, elevating those issues, speaking to those issues um, in the hopes that we can move the, the leadership a little. Um, but I'm going to be realistic. I don't, um, in terms of actual power in that space, um, I'm, not, I'm not super optimistic. Well, that said, those, those are some, some, some major issues that, that are really on the forefront any any ideas on how we can mobilize for for class sizes as part of this show Lainey Hampson and she's a an advocate for class size any thoughts on class size yeah um i think so at the delegate assembly this past year uh one of the few things we were able to accomplish um even though uh opposition is rarely called upon um, and their resolutions are rarely brought to the floor, uh, but we were able to uh, amend a class size resolution calling for smaller class sizes to be a part of contract negotiations. So rather than, um, uh, rather than hope that legislatures uh, will, you know, bring a bill before Uh, the city council um, actually having it be a part of the contract would make it far more easier to enforce. Uh, And so um, I think ensuring that that actually does become a part of contract negotiations, um, that that resolution wasn't just symbolic within the DA, um, really holding uh, leadership accountable to that. uh, I think um, I was really inspired by uh, a panel this week where um, sibling caucuses across the country, including um, UTLA, Philly, uh, were talking about um, their contract negotiations and how they really mobilized membership using uh, open bargaining. Uh, And so how can we how can we do that here as well? How can we get as many folks involved, uh, mobilize, inspire as many rank and file members, uh, community uh, co-conspirators, parents, students, um, to ensure to to hold leadership accountable and push leadership to make that a part of contract? Because really, you can have the legislation. I mean, the state has had the legislation, but there's always these loopholes what I really learned in my like 12 years of teaching is that what is in the contract is what gets enforced. Uh, And so we have a really unique opportunity here uh, to really transform not only the union, but also public education in New York city with these upcoming contract negotiations. And I think as members of the executive board um, will be uniquely positioned to advance, you know, our, um, our platform here. Well, thank you, Alona. Um, 
I, I see you as a leader already within this, this union. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Familia, for joining me today at Talk Out of School. Thank you to my many guests that joined us today. This is Daniel Alisea, the co-host of Talk Out of School on WBAI 99.5 FM. Our show, Talk Out of School, is available as a podcast if you missed any part of today's broadcast. Also, please consider becoming a WBAI buddy. When you become a WBAI buddy, you're helping out this show and also WBAI. You can contact WBAI to donate at 212-209-2950. That number again is 212-209-2950 or just go to WBAI.org. I'll be back with another episode of Talk Out of School. Remember, Tribe of Love, that love always wins. Small.